I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Realm presents Dark Heights Season 2, Episode 7. Dr. Park, FBI case file 4815-1623-42, recording begins. Tell me the first thing you remember about the ranch. I woke up in a narrow bed, in the dark. I lifted my head. It took some time, but my eyes adjusted to the light. I saw rows and columns of cots in a place that looked like a high school gymnasium. My mouth felt like dust. My heart was pounding as if I had just run a marathon. That was how much effort it took me just to wake up. I thought about my father. I could picture him sitting at the foot of the cot, smiling at me. There was a song he would put me to sleep with when I was a toddler, a song in Hindi. An old song from a movie sung by his favorite actress, Latiji. My father couldn't carry a tune, and it always made me laugh at first, and then it lulled me to sleep anyway. That song was the serenity that I always wanted. I must have actually gone back to sleep. When I opened my eyes again, there was enough light to see where I was more clearly. Very early morning sunshine came through the windows on one side of the gymnasium, there were 24 cots in rows perpendicular to the sidelines of the gym's basketball court. I was trying to move myself up to a sitting position on the cot. 
I didn't understand why everything hurt. My whole body was bruised and sore. Had I been in an accident? I didn't remember being in an accident. When I turned my head, the pain in the back of my neck at the top of my spine was excruciating. Someone was making their way toward me between the rows of cots. It was you, Dr. Park. I was surprised to see that it was you. You sat with me for some time, and you gave me the information I was missing. I had been hurt in the line of duty, and I'd spent a few days in the hospital, unconscious. Once stabilized, I had been taken to an agency facility called The Ranch, where I was expected to make a full recovery. But I don't remember it, I told you. I don't know how I was injured. You said it was temporary memory loss and that my memories would return given time. You said there was a way to speed up the process of remembering through hypnosis, if I consented. So I did. You told me to lie back down and close my eyes, to relax, to listen to the sound of your voice. You said it was the only sound that mattered, the only one that existed, only your voice. I will count from ten to one. Listen to the sound of my voice. With every number, you will go deeper and deeper into the dream. Now I say, ten. My voice will guide you down and deeper into the dream. Nine. You feel yourself relax. You feel a warm and pleasant letting go beginning in your toes, your knees, your legs. Eight. You feel your arms beginning to be warm and weightless. Hands are sinking down, down. Seven. With every number, you go deeper, deeper into the dream. Six. Your head is warm. You feel your neck is soft and warm, your body sinking deeper. Five. Your body and your mind are floating, weightless, sinking deeper, down. Four. You cannot get out of the dream until you go deeper. Three. My voice will guide you even deeper. Two. On the count of one, you will open your eyes inside the dream. Now I say... One. Early on, did you feel like you fit in at the ranch? I did. It was peaceful there. Not at first, though. I was angry at first. Confused and angry, and I think, deep down, I was also afraid, because I couldn't remember what had happened to me. I don't know how much time had passed before the orderlies brought me a wheelchair. They helped to move me from the bed. Then they strapped me into the wheelchair so that I would not flail and hurt myself. There were only a few other women in the gymnasium. One of them waved to me once I was upright in the wheelchair. I saw that there was another woman in a bed near the window. Her whole body was wrapped in bandages. Then I met Dalalay. She made her way toward me between the rows of cots. She walked with a hitch in her step, a slight limp from an injury. Dalalay had been assigned to me. It was her job to push me in the wheelchair. 
I could see that she was resentful of having to do this, to have to be my chauffeur. In a way, it made me trust her more. I knew she wasn't an orderly. She wasn't staff. After a few days, we were talking more and more. She told me that she woke up in one of the beds in the gymnasium, just like I did. Her leg had been shattered. She was in a coma in the hospital, and it was bad, but she'd fought. She'd come through, and the ranch had an open spot for her recovery. That woman over there, Dalla Lay said, she hasn't even got out of bed this whole time, so you're doing better than she is. Dalla Lay wheeled me past her bed. The woman was covered in bandages, even her head. Her eyes followed us as we went by. I said, all the time I've been in the agency and I've never heard of this place. Me neither, Dalalay said, and laughed. How come that surprises you? There's a lot more we don't know about than the ranch. I love Dalalay right away. Her laugh was the best thing about her. She spoke plainly, to the point. She seemed to know me as if we'd been friends for ages. When she wheeled me out of the facility one afternoon and we caught sight of the horse corral across the grounds, she knew that I wanted to go over to it. It cost her an effort to do so, pushing the wheelchair onto the grass. But then every day she did it for me, and she stood there patiently next to me while we watched the horses. Do you remember what happened to you? I asked her. No, she said. I don't either. And then I said, does that seem right to you? It's trauma. That's what they keep telling me. Trauma suppresses memory. Dalalay said it as if it was self-evident, and I accepted it without question. I was always tired. My mind wasn't up to speed. Even having Dalalay wheel me out from the complex across the grass to the horse corral, just that one took all of my energy. I didn't know... I was being drugged. When you regained your mobility, you explored the ranch more thoroughly? Yes. At first I was slow. At first I was so sore it was difficult to move. But I loved my freedom from the wheelchair, and I walked. I pushed myself. I made my way to the horse corral and sat on the ground there, resting. I was so weak. But days passed. My strength came back to me. Feeling better, I began to map out the ranch complex, the grounds and the buildings. There was the gymnasium where we slept. At any given time, there were 10 to 12 inmates, all of them women. Some, like Dalalay, were at the end of their stay. Others, like the woman in the full body bandages, had a long way to go. Attached to the gymnasium on one side were the bathrooms and showers. There was a workout room, even though the ranch was clearly an older facility, the equipment in the workout room was state-of-the-art. I promised myself I would use it when I felt better. No reason not to get back into the shape I was in before I was hurt. On the other side of the gymnasium, there was the cafeteria. Then, of course, across the grass, there was the horse corral. Outside of the main building, to the south, there was the tranquil courtyard, the pebbled stone paths there felt good to walk on barefoot. There was a rock and sand garden with rakes to move the sand into patterns. Someone always made the Roman numeral 13 in that sand. On the other side of the tranquil courtyard, there were the doctor's offices. I went there every day for our sessions. 
The nameplate on your door said Dr. Park Day Key. Then there was a building, apart from the others, in the shape of a white square with a single black door. What is that building for? I asked Alalay. That's where Urizen is, she said. Urizen, who is in charge of us. I didn't know what she was talking about, but I was afraid someone would make me go in there, and I told her so. She told me the black door in the white square was locked. We couldn't go in there. At mealtime in the cafeteria, there were two paper cups on my tray next to the plate of food, one with a white pill in it and the other with a black pill. I still sat with Dalalay during mealtime. She had been assigned to a different task elsewhere in the ranch. This was the only time we saw each other now. When a tone sounded in the room, everyone took the white pill first, then the black pill. Then two tones sounded in the room, and everyone picked up the spoon on the meal tray, and we ate. This was the routine. In no time, it felt like I had been doing this my whole life. Then you went deeper into the dream. You guided me, Dr. Park. In our sessions, in your office, on the other side of the tranquil courtyard from the main building. I had to pass by the white square with the locked black door to get there. In our sessions, you began to remember. I did. I remembered being at a party, at night, outside. There was a mansion. You were with your partner. On a mission, tracking someone down. But then my memory breaks. The violence of what happened to you was a starting point for us. The trauma of your injury was a way inside. Then the day came when you gave me my first assignment in the ranch. You said I had been chosen to work with the horses in the stables and the corral. I was chosen by the groom, the man who works in the stables and corral. And when I told you I never noticed a man, you said he had noticed me. At mealtime in the cafeteria, I told Dalalay that the groom had asked if I would work for him with the horses, that I was nervous about it. When she asked me why, I told her it was because I felt like I already knew the groom. And Dalalay said, his name is Isaac. What did you just say? His name is Isaac Goldman. He is an operative of Division 13. I suddenly felt very unwell, like I was going to be sick. I was shaking. I left the cafeteria, but I did not know where I was going. I found myself in the tranquil courtyard. Looking back, I saw that Dalalay was frozen in the doorway of the cafeteria. Ahead of me, in the tranquil courtyard, everyone was frozen where they stood. There were orderlies, doctors, groundskeepers, and there were the other women the convalescents here at the ranch who were recovering like me. Everyone frozen in place. Dalalay spoke one word. What was the word? Alabaster. And when she spoke it? I blacked out. It took some time before you questioned what was happening. I was tired. I was weak. I didn't want to know. I fought to remain unaware. The routine of the ranch kept me in my place. 
The woman wrapped in bandages still hadn't moved in all that time. I had never seen anyone helping her. She lay in bed all day and night, alone. I went to the stables to work with the groom. I was surprised to see that the groom was a much older man, maybe the oldest man I'd ever seen. His shoulders were hunched over. He was barely able to move. His long white beard matched the uncut, wild white hair on his head. He barked some orders at me, and then he hobbled over to a hammock in the back of the stables. I helped him into it. He slept there for the rest of the day. It was disappointing. I don't know what I'd expected. Not the oldest man alive who only slept there the entire time. At mealtime in the cafeteria, one tone sounded and we took our pills. Two tones sounded and we reached for our spoons. How do we know we should take the white pill first and then the black one? I asked Dalalay. That's a question, she said. You had stopped asking questions for a while there. I told her I was trying to fit in. The point of this place is to leave it. Is that what you're going to do? I asked. Yes, she answered. And soon, you'll have to do this without me. Do what? And she said, you can't get out until you go deeper. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, 
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. The next time I went to the stables, there was a different man. When I asked who he was, he said he was the groom. But you're bald, I said. You're younger than the man who was here yesterday. You must be mistaken. He had an accent when he spoke. I've been here for years. I don't think I made a mistake, I said. He pointed inside the stables. You need to take care of the horse in there. He's sick and he's dying. I don't have time to deal with it. This younger groom with the bald head sat down at a table where there was a chessboard. The pieces on the chessboard were white. The pieces on the chessboard were black. The horse's name, he said, is Warlock. What did you do to take care of the horse whose name was Warlock? There was no horse in that stable. Did this seem strange to you? I was angry about it, that the groom would try to trick me. I thought he wanted me to look bad. I confronted him. You're not the groom at all. You're right, he said. My name is Yilmaz. You know who I am. I don't know anything about you. But you do, Agent Priya Mehta. You were the one who killed me. How did you respond to this accusation? I fled the stables in tears. I was humiliated. I ran out past the corral's enclosure as far as I could before falling down. I was out of breath. And there was a horse. We were far outside the enclosure. I knew him. He was a horse I had taken care of when I was a girl. He spoke to me. He said, the world is a prison. I led him back to the ranch. Why did you bring the horse back? Because of what Dalalay had told me. I can't get out until I go deeper. At the stables, there was a man waiting for me. He was even younger than the last man who'd said he was the groom, but this one was still middle-aged. His beard was neatly trimmed, and there was white in it. And when I asked him who he was, he claimed to be the new groom. What happened to the other one? I asked. He was killed. Do I know you? Of course you do, he answered. I'm your partner. I'm Juan Garcia Madero. Did you think this was a dream? I knew that it was. Did you think it was your dream? For the first time, I knew that it wasn't. In the cafeteria at mealtime, I said to Dalalay, we are not alone here. What do you mean, she said. Someone is in here with us. Who do you think it is? A man. What kind of man? I said, I'll ask him that question when I see him. The one tone sounded in the cafeteria, and everyone took their pills. I stopped Dalalay from taking hers. I said, don't do it. What do you think will happen if I don't do it? I think the man will show himself to us. The man in the white square building with the locked black door? How do I open the door? You're not afraid that someone will take you into the white square building? 
I am afraid, I admitted. I'm afraid of going into the white square building, but I know I have to. Dalalay got up from the table. Agent Meta, I will see you when you break this place into pieces. Who are you? I asked. I'm Dalalay Amadi. What is Alabaster? Alabaster is you and me and Dr. Park, and there are others. Where are you going? I asked. I'm leaving. You're ready. A sound came from the tranquil courtyard. I went to the window to look. A man was walking there. I looked back into the cafeteria. There was no sign of anyone. Dalalay was gone. When I came out of the main building, the tranquil courtyard was enclosed on all sides by empty buildings. The concrete ground was webbed with cracks. Pale green weeds grew out of the cracks. Looking up, I saw a skyscraper towering over the empty buildings. The man in the yard was waiting for me. I knew who he was. I can't do this. My voice was raw as it rose, then fell. I don't want to do this. It's okay. Isaac reached for me, and then I was in his embrace. How are you alive? I asked. How can you be here? I'm not alive. He shrugged. Then, in his wonderful voice that I missed so much, his voice that was like music, he quoted poetry. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves and immortality. Isaac held me at arm's length, looking me over. Apparently, I'm what's being used against you to hold you back. You look great, by the way. Help me to understand, I implored him. I was Division 13, working with Madero when I was killed. But I was also Alabaster. I was a double agent. Alabaster works against Division 13? We work against the Watchers, with absolute rejection of their authority over us. Our group is small. It's difficult to deprogram Div 13 operatives to break through the influence of the Watchers. Is that what's happening to me? Yes. But I wasn't Div 13 yet. I was waiting to be recruited by them. Not true. I advanced your profile to Deputy Director Wallace some time ago. Then they paired you with Madero. The psych eval that Dr. Park requisitioned is a major part of their conditioning. You recommended me for Div 13. You gave me to your enemy. Yes, in order to bring you into Alabaster. I wanted to work with you. Because you loved me. Because you're the best in the agency. I knew we were running out of time. Maybe I was asking so many questions because I didn't want him to disappear. What am I supposed to do now? I asked. Just turn around. But when I turn around, you'll be gone, won't you? That's right. I'll be gone forever. But I already was. I loved his smile. I loved the sound of his voice. My beautiful Isaac... I'll always love you. It was a long time before you turned around, 
It was. Your strength of will was the first thing Isaac told us about you. You mean how stubborn I can be. But then you did turn around. And what did you see? The building in the tranquil courtyard. The bright white square with the black door. Even though I knew this was the end of the dream, I was still afraid of going through that opening and into the darkness. Why were you afraid? I knew that once I went inside, I couldn't come back. You could have refused to go in. Many have refused. Some, we return to Division 13. Some, we do not. I went in. The door was no longer locked, if ever it had been. There was a pool of light inside, at the center of the square. In a semicircle, in the center of the light, there were six pedestals. There were six sculptures, six ancient Greek or Roman busts, the torsos and heads of gods or heroes or mythical figures. Alabaster. Each sculpture had a name carved into the base of it. Marius, Kismet, Israfel, Tenebrae, Lady Mora. The last one was a man. He was old, with a long, thick beard and long, wild hair sculpted from white stone. His eyes were closed. Urizen, the Dreaming Watcher. I closed my eyes. When I opened them again, I was unable to move, strapped down to a bed or a gurney, multiple IVs plugged into me. I was inside some kind of chamber. I could feel a controlled pressure, a heavier atmosphere. Sounds washed over me, the slow beating of a heart, the breaking of waves. The sides of the chamber touched the edge of the bed. The top of the chamber was only inches from my face. I couldn't move because my entire body was wrapped in bandages. Begin final recording of subject Priya Meta, post-hypnosis exit interview. Exit interview sounds like I've been fired. More like a promotion. You're not just FBI, you're not just Div 13 anymore. I'm Alabaster now. Thank you, Priya, for volunteering for this. The hypnosis went well. You were able to describe with great detail your altered state of consciousness throughout the deprogramming. It is invaluable information. We will use it going forward with other operatives. I just want to capture the epilogue of it all, what your impressions were when you finally woke up in the immersion casket. My memory came back quickly. Not the dream I was in. Some of that I recall, but most of it's vague. But when I woke up, I knew what had happened to me. At Arson. At Nightfall. Marius Severin's daughter, Lina. She'd thrown me, somehow, with her mind, with some kind of power. And I'd been severely injured from it. Not that severe, but enough of an injury for our purposes. I thought, when I woke up, all the bandages... I thought I'd been broken apart and put back together. Not physically. The bandages and the pressure in the immersion casket achieved the constriction and control of your body's ability to apprehend stimuli. The injuries you sustained from being thrown across a lawn were only to your head and neck. 
You'll still be sore there for quite some time. That night, though, I was taken to the hospital in a Division 13 transport van. But the operative who drove me, he was Alabaster. So the van was diverted to your facility. And in the immersion casket, you put me under. The careful administration of a range of psychedelics. The isolation of the immersion casket. Attenuation of the senses, followed by focused stimulation. Trauma to the body. An induced coma. Hallucinogenics. Was there a sound component? That's correct. An application of relaxation sounds interrupted by command tones. The sounds in the cafeteria. One tone to take the pills, two tones to eat. I remember that now. But it wasn't real, was it? None of that was real? Reality is what the mind hallucinates for itself when interpreting data provided by the body's reception of stimuli. You were there when I woke up. That's right. You opened the immersion casket. You undid the straps that held me down. You cut me out of the bandages. You helped me out of the casket. I was shaking. I looked back at it, at the immersion casket. It was a white square box. There was a rectangular opening in the center of the white square, yawning pitch black. That was where I'd been unconscious, dreaming. In the bright white square with the dark black door. When you helped me out, I think I said something. You said, the world is a prison. Then I must have passed out. We moved you to a recovery bed, replaced the IV for fluids, and yes, you slept for the next 18 hours. When I woke up again, Dalalay was with me. I hope she took it easy on you. Not so much. The first thing she said was, took you long enough. I think I said something like, who the hell are you? And we got along right away. She told me there was work to be done, and when I asked her what work, I saw the answer in her eyes before she spoke the words. You're going back to Park Heights. You're listening to Dark Heights Season 2. Dark Heights is a Realm production. Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Dark Heights is created and written by C.D. Miller. Produced by Marco Palmieri, Fred Greenhalge, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, and Julian Yap. Starring Dion Graham, Julia Whalen, and Neil Helligers. Sound design, editing, mixing, and mastering by Kaylin West. Original music by Chris Miller. Music supervision by Marcus Bagala. Production manager, Alexis Latshaw. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Osadolahi. Find more shows like Dark Heights by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.